The Get Down is brought to you by Digital Music Pool. Digital Music Pool is the ultimate record pool for professional DJs looking for the hottest tracks and exclusive hits updated daily in an easy-to-use platform. You can find exclusive edits from myself, Cream, Adam B., Andrew Marks, Angelo the Kid, Armin Averro, Chumpian, Dan FX, Castra, Pat C., and Samus J. only on DMP. And we're giving you a chance to try their service for just $9.99 for the first month. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes or on the Get Down or Cream Instagram pages, create an account, and enter the promo code CREAM at checkout for your discounted month. DMP is my go-to record pool for new and exclusive music to play in my sets. So become a member for just $9.99 for the first month with the code CREAM and check it out for yourself. Click the link in the show notes or on the Get Down or Cream Instagram pages to sign up now. You will not be disappointed. If you love listening to the Get Down, you will love the video version of our show on YouTube even more. With all new audio and video upgrades, we've taken the show to the next level. On YouTube, you get to see our facial expressions, hand gestures, and real passion we have for this industry and for helping you grow your DJ business. Click the link in the show notes or on the Get Down Instagram page to watch the podcast now or search Get Down DJs on YouTube. We would greatly appreciate if you subscribe to our channel, like, and comment any questions you might have that we could bring up on the show. What's up, guys? Welcome to the 128th episode of The Get Down, brought to you by Digital Music Pool. My name is Cream. Gary W. here. Gary, I'm in the middle of like a big travel run here. I know. Big travel run. The you're, You travel during the summer uh, much more than I do. Uh, I, I like to travel the, the whole rest of the year. You're a big summer traveler. I like the beach, man. What can I say? <laughs> you know what? That's true. That's, that, that is why. It's because you like the beach. I, I can go to the beach and... All year I saw round, the I don't sun go. two out of seven days while I was on vacation. <laughs> That's awful. I know. You were, you were texting me. I was like, just go get beers. <laughs> Pretty much. A lot of beers. A lot of beers. <laughs> but it, it's been nice. I sort of set up my some of these bookings around my trip. So I was up in, uh, you know, in Massachusetts, and I got to play uh, Avalon Mohegan Sun the, the first weekend, then went to vacation. And then on the back end, I played... Uh, Torino, which is on Cape Cod, so think like beach, bar, party spot. Uh, right. And then Saturday night, I played a new spot in Providence called Seoul. Uh, incredible, beautiful new venue. So it, it's it was crazy, right? Because my first gig at Avalon was probably my best set I've ever played there. Most energy, best feedback. I had like a the, the, a big spender just throwing me hundred dollar bills all night. It was like one of those. Was that your first Saturday there? No, I've been I've I've kind of graduated to Saturdays there now. Okay. So I, I think that might have been my third one. Okay. Um, now that's the Avalon that has been around forever, right? Like that's is that the Avalon that was up in Boston? I believe so. And the I one know that it's an we ownership had in New York. They, they own a few different entities. Uh, in Boston and then also at the casino. Right. Like that, because that has been around forever and ever, I believe. If that's the same Avalon. 
Um, I don't know, because we had Avalon New York. I know that was something different. So I'm not really sure if it's the same or not. Right. I think the app. Yeah. And I don't know if the Avalon New York City and Avalon Boston were related back then, but they were still both around at the same time because a lot of the big, you know, I can remember like PVD and Siesta going to play both. Like they'd, they'd hit the New York one and then they'd go up and play the Boston one. Yeah. Um, so I just was wondering, because when you said that, it hit me the other day. I'm like, this thing's been around for 20 years or so. Like the thing, it's had legs, but it might be a different one. I don't know. I got to look into it. I, I wanted to bring up the, the three sets because after when I first got up, after my first set, after Avalon, I, you know, Gary and I are always sending each other texts and emails to remind us about topics for the podcast as they're happening. So I literally emailed Get Down after my set and was like, you know, a topic we need to talk about is how one really strong set can carry you through for like the next month of sets. Uh, like where and, like and where, where it I, motivates you, right? Right, where it motivates you. You get this huge reaction. You, you know, you you can't miss as a DJ. You're playing all the right songs, and a lot of times that confidence and that energy will carry you through a number of sets, even if they're just like small local sets as well. Uh, and then I the next weekend I had a lighter weekend, and like, <laughs> and that topic kind of went out the window, right? Where. You know, I played Torino on Cape Cod. Their Fridays haven't been as busy as last year. I, you know, last year was packed, slammed from the second, the first song I played, and I was expecting that same energy. It was still an awesome set, but it wasn't what I was expecting. It wasn't the previous year. And then on the Saturday night, I had a really light night. It's a new venue. The colleges aren't back in the city yet. They haven't hired promoters. So, like, I, I wasn't able to use that momentum from the set at, uh, at Mohegan Sun to then carry into my next my next uh, set of gigs, but I think this brings up just a larger conversation of this summer is just way slower than last summer, and it's not just in New Jersey, it's not just in New York, it's in Boston, it's in Connecticut, it's all over the place. It's down here too. It's down here too. I was I went to dinner last night. And I'm I was speaking to the bartender who who I've known for a long time, and he's like, "It has been absolutely slow up here, um, like just slower than any normal summer has been. Like we have ebbs and flows down here, where like you know, obviously with people going back to school, et cetera, et cetera. But he said it's I don't I don't understand it because you know what? Like the shore in Jersey's been slow, and that's notoriously packed. And, and some of the premier venues down there have been a little slower than normal. The Jersey Not Shore dead. has been slowing for the last two years. Last year was the first year I was like, wow, this is weird. Happy hour is not packed, and Sunday's not as packed as it used to be. And th- that's where I first noticed it was is last it, year. I think I, I don't, I, I'm going by an outsider's perspective and not, not by any fact here, but like maybe international travels just up more than ever. Whereas like coming out of the pandemic, people were traveling more within the United States, getting out more to the places that they couldn't go during pandemic. Now we're a couple of years removed. So it's maybe this gradual, um, this kind of like gradual increase in, in, in travel outside of the United States. Number one, that could, that could be it. And then we could also be seeing, and, and multiple people said this. I, I spoke to that bartender yesterday and then I spoke to one of the venue owners that we, that we deal with. And I, I feel like that, like we all kind of got comfortable and like, all right, we're out and we can do X, Y, and Z. And, and we're, we don't care about spending our money on these experiences. And maybe now reality setting in a little bit where it's like, all right, we got to like tighten it up a little bit financially and we can't be spending you know, recklessly. Um, 
So it could be a kind of a combination of the two things, international travel and maybe people per, uh, tightening up the purse strings, kind of, so to speak. Yeah, I, I know based on listening to some other podcasts that international travel is huge and a lot of the domestic places, destinations like Disney are way down this year because of it. I, that's definitely one of them. I, I do think, you know, you, you brought up uh, a couple... A couple articles that you found, one yeah. from uh, Business Insider and then the other one from Global News, News, and it was basically saying that young people are just not going out or drinking as much as previous generations. The- and I'm not good with the different generations. Uh, so what, I don't know, Gen Z and Gen X, is that, are those the two newer ones? I don't even know. Right, yes. And, and, so like my nephew would be like in the Gen Z, like he's he's in he's college age. What are we? Are we like tail end of Gen X kind of thing? We are we're millen- millennials. I don't fucking know. millennial. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I forget we need what we're called. For this. He's up on all this. I forget what we're called. Not good with these labels, but um, but for the Gen Z, uh, for the for for Gen Zers, it's I mean it's saying it says that the Gallup poll says that only sixty. What is it? Uh, Gen Zers say they drink less than other generations. Only 60% drink. That's told by a, a Gallup poll. Only 60%, which is, which is scaring the shit out of, and we brought this up in previous episodes, it's scaring the shit out of live music venues because if you don't have alcohol sales in those live music venues, then your sponsorship's not coming through, Like right? Like Budweiser's not going to sponsor your venue and, and so on and so forth. And that's where all the money comes from. It doesn't come from ticket sales. Right. The ticket sales are paying for the act, it's, right? And the venues are making for, money on everything else. It's paying for a portion of the act. I never really understood how it worked, right? Like, all right, you have 2,000 people at 60 bucks a ticket. I know these guys are getting paid a lot more than that. Well, that's all on sponsorships backs and, and whatnot. So, um, and that's why when you walk into a, a live music venue, you have so many different alcohol signs and whatnot everywhere because of the marketing and the branding and the money get, that gets put behind that. I, I never put you know two and two together, but it makes sense for them to sponsor those events because then people go there and then they're going to buy product, right? Um, well, when product's not being sold and people are just drinking prior and ripping their vape because that's kind of this Gen Z... Gener- this is how this generation goes out because one of our venues, the, the bartenders were complaining that they, they come in, they buy one drink, and they vape the whole night, and that's it. And it's like, all right, well, it's, you, you can't have sustainable business. Anybody can, like whether you are a bar or a major nightclub or a, or a um, live music venue, you can't sustain business without selling alcohol. Yeah, but maybe you can. I mean, what are what are the things if if vaping and you know chew, uh, edibles or you know whatever legal vices people are into now? Maybe the venues need to start selling those vices, and maybe that's how you make up some of that revenue from people who aren't drinking. I, I think if you're not drinking necessarily, why are you really going to a bar anyway? In most cases, I mean, I, I don't know. Social atmosphere, I don't know, just get, getting out of the house, being able to listen to music in some capacity, whether it's a DJ or a live music act. How many people who don't drink are frequenting bars? I mean, if I wasn't DJing and I wasn't drinking, why would I ever go to a bar? It's loud. There's a lot of people. It's crowded. It's not somewhere I'd necessarily want to be unless I was 
partaking in, in, in those type of things. And here is our problem of nobody being at the venue. Well, not nobody, but the venues having slowed down because this is what, ha- this is, what is happening. If, all, if, you know, let's say our generation, 85% of people drank, right? That's 25% more people than are drinking in this generation, Right, so if you would, if I were to tell you the bar industry right now as a whole is about twenty five percent down from previous years, what would you say? Would you say I'm over exaggerating? Are you just throwing that number out there? Or? Well, I know I, I I don't know what like the I don't know what our like I, I should read down on this a little bit to see. Okay, um, yeah, I, I I was I was being kind of. Uh, speculative on the 85% of our generation, but if 60% is what, where they're at of uh, Gen Zers are at yeah, right like now, we're down 20 or 25%. Let's from call what it. Our, let, yeah. Being conservative, call it 20%. Let's say 80% of our generation drinks. I mean, all of my friends drink literally all of them. They, I don't know anybody who's dead sober out of our generation. Um, so, like, let's say it's down 20%. Like, would you say, like, if, when I walk into a place that I walked into in years past, I'd be like, okay, that's not far off. I, I, I'd say that that capacity slash business sales are probably down 20%. That makes complete sense. Yeah. I mean, I could see it uh, for sure. I, I think, I, you know, we, we grew up in an era where we were going to parties in high school and college, and dr- I was drinking throughout that time. It was just what the people who came before us did and what we did, you know? Yeah. And I think we've reached the point where now people aren't doing that, you know? People are more aware of the, you know, the health issues that alcohol and other substances can call, cause. And people are more aware of what they're eating and what they're putting into their body. And, you know, it, it's become more of a norm where you don't have to drink to have a good time, which I think is a great thing. I mean, it hurts our business but and our industry, but... I think overall, you know, people are going to be more healthy if they're drinking less, you know? Well, look at the uptick, the uptick in popularity of mocktails, right? And, and um, uh, sp- uh, alcoholist spirits, right? Well, that, um, that was something I was going to bring up. I mean, maybe that's something that bars and nightclubs need to start embracing and maybe offering a mocktail menu a at thousand, every place. A thousand percent because now I've been home. So I got back from my last trip up there, which we talked about last episode where I was just on an absolute bender and I took 10 days of straight, no drinking at all. And I went to probably like, I counted, I think I did like, went to like seven bars in those 10 days with my, with um, my sister. Uh, Cause we had family friends in and, and friends in that were on vacation. So I was like wound up in a bunch of bars and I, I couldn't find one place that had those. The, I, what are they? I think they're spiritless um, or alcohol-free spirits. That's what it is. Alcohol-free spirits. I couldn't find one place with them. Like right. They so you would, get the flavor of having a drink, but there's no alcohol. Right. Like the, I was getting mocktails, quote unquote, that were like you know just like a, a, a combination a of juice. juices. And I'm like, I don't, this is I don't think so people know about sweet. that alcohol because if, if it weren't for you, I'd have no idea that that even existed. That there was a liquid that tasted like alcohol, but didn't have any go alcohol look, in it. Go look it up. And actually Gary V has been this year in 2023, end of 2022 has been huge on the uptick in the amount of companies that have popped up within the last three years. Right. He's a smart guy. And he's, you know, well, he's big, he's big on trends, right? He's a great, he's great to get ahead of trends. Um, and that's why he invests. That's why he's a great investor. 
Um, and he got ahead of this trend and he's talked about it a lot. And be, because people are going to a healthier lifestyle, you know, this all kind of, I, I don't feel like it all started with, but like we all have our, you know, everybody's in their athleisure wear, you know, like looks like they're coming or going to the gym. Like, it, you know, the health lifestyle is a multi-billion dollar industry. So why not capitalize on it in the spirit, in the uh, alcohol-free spirits world, right? This way you could still go out and enjoy dinner and go have a mocktail prior to dinner and you could still, you know, be healthy and lead a healthy lifestyle. But like it's, it hasn't become, um, it hasn't become mainstream enough yet. And right. I think that when it becomes more mainstream, you'll see the bars that we work at and even possibly not nightclubs. You'll never see nightclubs do this because you're not taking the time to make a mocktail at a nightclub. It's never happening. You're not going to get a vodka soda. That's not the point of of these um, of these alcohol. Yeah, maybe spirits. it could be. Maybe maybe that's something that helps attract more people to your venue. If you could offer a vodka soda that doesn't have any alcohol content. So yeah, that you feel possibly. like you're part of the experience. And if you've been a drinker before, you're like, oh, this tastes like a vodka soda, but I'm not going to feel like shit tomorrow and I'm not going to get drunk and I'm going to be able to drive home and whatever. Yeah, I, I think when I said vodka soda, it's probably the worst example, right? Because there's no taste to it. So just get a club soda. But like, let's say, you know, a whiskey drink. Like, okay, Manhattan, you get a, 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 a right, alcohol free like, Manhattan. And nightclubs are just churning and burning simple drinks, not sitting there and making an old fashioned or a Manhattan. Or- and that's why I think it, it leans a little more to like a, a lounge uh, atmosphere uh, right. somewhere where, where places are, are taking the time to but make But what about cocktails? other vices? Like what if, could, could venues even, could venues sell edibles? Could venues sell, I don't know. Is that, I don't even know if that's illegal to be I quite honest. I think we're probably ahead of it, uh, ahead of the, the curve here where the state's going to have to come in and they're going to have to set regulations and boundaries in order for you to go through that. They're going to make their piece, you know, obviously. Yeah. Um, and they're going to tax it and they're going to make you pay for licenses and stuff like that. Don't be shocked if that is a thing. Maybe we're talking about something that's going to be big in three or four years. Yeah. You know, where you have like a little area set up where you can, like you said, yeah, get your vapes and get your, your edibles of some sort or mushrooms if that gets legalized, et cetera. Right. But then, like, you're really going to have to, then you're going to really have an experiential um, venue. You know, I, I feel like that then that's going to really enhance what people are expecting when they go out, which is something we've been talking about a lot, too. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely ahead of this. And I don't know anything, we're going to see any of these changes or trends happening in our venues. But something to think about and something that could be interesting moving forward if this, if this trend of people drinking less you know, stays consistent and keeps growing or if less people are drinking as we move forward through the years here. I think another point, uh, something that I think Cheesy also said was this generation is broke and woke. So we talked about the woke <laughs> part where people want to be more healthy and they're not drinking as much. They're doing more, you know, not, not partaking in as many uh, vices, so to speak. But I think also this generation is more focused on experience and more focused on, uh, you know, uh, uh, having a, a healthier work-life balance and not killing themselves working 80, 90 hours a week where they're not making as much money as they maybe could, but they have a, a, a better balance and are able to go enjoy more things like nature and working out and things that don't cost as much. Uh, and that's a, another trend that's happening. 
Yeah, I, I think the people pulling back on, on work a little bit and, and not making that the number one priority is, is a part of why people aren't going out as much because I don't think the United States is ahead of it like some, some other countries are. I just read another article um, that the UK is heavily trying to move toward a four-day work week. And a lot of companies have, and those companies are seeing exponential productivity gains in moving to the four-day work week, which is an ironic thing to, to happen, to pull back a day, and then but your productivity goes up. But yeah. as I was talking about with somebody the other day, it's like, well, then like motivation goes up as well, right? You're gaining a day to do these extra things. And maybe once we get to that point, you know, where you don't have to pull back on work and lose money, Maybe my company then I can remain at my at my salary, make a good salary, and then have a better work life balance. It's just another one of those healthy lifestyle, mental healthy lifestyle things that some places are ahead of yet, and, yeah. and we're not there yet. On that's creating just a really positive culture in their workspace as well. If the ownership is saying, "Hey, we care about how you guys feel and and how you are mentally, and we think that having that extra day will." you know, not only help you, but help us because you'll be more productive in the time that you are here. And that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Right. Uh, it's just hard to wrap our heads around, I think, in this culture of like, grind it out. And the harder you work, the more money you make. And, you know, I, I'm in that wheel and I have to constantly tell myself, like, it's all right to take a day off. Like, it's all right to go to the pool today. It's all right to not work on music today if I'm just not, if I can't, just not mentally there, you know? Right, 100%. It's... It's something that we're in the in-between generation where we, you know, we, we're still kind of, we're adjusting to this healthier lifestyle where we came up in a completely different way. You know, it, it goes for a, a lot of factors of, of what we do in life. I feel like we are really stuck in the middle of everything. We're, you know, our parents are old school where our nieces and nephews are completely new school, you know, and the people that we work with are, are, you know, are younger and then they've all grown up with their iPads and their iPhones and whatnot, right. where like, you know, we remember vinyl and whatnot. So there's like this huge gap uh, and we, and, and we're kind of stuck in the middle of it and, and having to adjust and adapt. And that's why we're seeing a lot of our venues not adjusting and adapting because a lot of the ownership is a little older. Right. Right. So it's, it's really trying to keep your ear to the street and understanding what the trends are and then adapting with those trends is, is what's going to make people successful. And I feel like we're seeing the tail end of what the old, the old school generation uh, ownership is, is giving to their patrons and people are just saying it's not enough. All right, let's, let's transition here. We're, we're talking about the old school generation. I, I wanted to bring up something that happened to us with, a DJ that we've worked with for a long time that kind of took a step back for a little bit and now is kind of back in nightlife and back DJing. And it, it made me think of a lot of the DJs who have hit me up over the last couple of years while I've been booking DJs at Birch and just my thought process as a booker and not as a DJ of like why I would or wouldn't work with those people. So it's like, I guess that was kind of a shitty way to set this conversation up, but <laughs> I, I think what's what I'm seeing is is DJs are only as big as as what they've done recently. There's such a, a recency bias when it comes to customers, bookers, venue owners, 
as far as what's hot and who to book. And I think sometimes like the older generation of DJ thinks like, oh, well, I've been in the game for this long and I've done X, Y, Z and I've played all these places. But yeah, you haven't done that in four years. And it's like, there's a huge disconnect between the DJs thinking they're bigger than they actually are right now. At one time, they were the biggest thing out. But right now, they're not. They haven't been doing all the things to stay relevant. At our, um, at our level of DJ, it's difficult because you have to do all the like you have to do all the intangibles to stay relevant, right? I mean, like, like if you're not putting out music, you're not creating content, you're not posting on socials, you're not making a mixes. Like, how can we possibly book you? You know what I mean? I yes. Yeah, I, I think from a DJ booking perspective, right, it, and, and we have our ear to the street for all that stuff, it's very important to do that. If you want to be involved in a DJ group like a 4AM or name any prominent DJ group, you have to do all of those things to be relevant in those people's eyes. Now, from a smaller DJ perspective, like, you know, you're local bars and even your local lounges that turn nightclub at night. I feel like those managers and that ownership, they don't have their ear to the street as much. Right? Yeah. They have no idea. That's why they hire us. (laughs) (laughs) They have no idea. So like, if you want to just play that circuit, it's fine. Right? Like you just play that circuit and it is what it is. But if you want to level up and be better, then you have to, you know, do all those intangibles. Like you said, um, but the recency bias thing is, is huge. Like I told you yesterday that I haven't played over there in, you know, four weeks, probably if I never came back and DJ it again, nobody would ask for me. Nobody. And I don't know. I, I, I don't know I if tru- I agree with that, but I truly believe that it'd be like, Oh, haven't seen Gary in six to eight months. Where's he been? <laughs> but like it, it, it's not that important. I'm not that important in the grand scheme of things. And I think some people like carry this like self-importance and they come out of gigs and they're like, I fucking killed it tonight. Like you should definitely have me back next week or you should definitely have me back and you know, whenever next month or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you, you did a great job and whatnot. I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on anybody here, but I'm just, I just realized it. When I got three weeks out, I'm like, nobody would care if I ever came back. They, they tell me all the time, you're my favorite DJ. You, you know, our ring is good when you're here. The bartenders love it. They get tipped more. But if I never came back, nobody would say anything. It's a really interesting and weird thing to, to, to think about. Because we all get told we're great, right? Yeah. Everybody tells, uh, tells you you're great when you walk out. You never walked out of a room and like, you fucking suck tonight. It never happened. Usually it will be the one that was like, I was terrible. I, I right. know I and didn't you do know as, it. as I normally do. Or and I just didn't it. have the crowd like I normally do. Right. Right. I mean, I hate to break it to you, DJs, but 99.9% of you guys are replaceable. We're all replaceable. Everybody's replaceable. The I think there is DJs a very small fraction of DJs and artists. Their artists are not replaceable. If, if you're an artist and you're making music and you're creating something that is unique, I don't think you're replaceable. Maybe. Right. I mean, there are other artists that can replace you for sure. You know who's not replaceable? James Hype. Because nobody does what he does. 
You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. only a handful. You know who wasn't replaceable back in the day? DJ AM, because he was yeah. revolutionary, and he pushed the needle forward. You know who? A-Track, he's another one. Great for, the, great for the DJ culture. Great for the community. Great at what he does. Unreal. But Jazzy like, Jeff. Jazzy Jeff, incredible. Like, another one. You know, there's, it's a handful, and they're the best of the best. Everybody else can like, you know what? It was very interesting, actually, the, the, um, the Dead Mouse uh, clip that I sent you about the, oh, the pre-recorded sets, pre-recorded sets of festivals. It's like, well, if that's the deal and you're just standing up there making hand hearts, you know, what? Like you're replaceable. Get out of like, you know, it's not. Yeah, but you're, they're not you're replaceable produ- because they're playing music not. that people are buying tickets to go listen your, to. Your production's not replaceable. But from a DJ perspective, not right, a production perspective, when, when different. You, I, I, I know. I actually agree with Dead Mouse. where if you're going and DJing a festival, I yeah. understand why they play pre-recorded sets. It's not because they can't DJ. It's because the cryo, the, the fireworks, the lights the you know animations and video behind you all of that has to be in sync or it doesn't create as great of an experience for the crowd they're trying to have people come back next year or tomorrow to this to each of these festivals and they're putting out a better product in their eyes if all that stuff is done listen most of those guys can all dj right like unless you're going and doing that james hype stuff who cares if it's pre-recorded or not? That's the way right. I look at it. You're, you're creating this experience, and it's a show. It's not you're not going to the club and watching someone DJ. I think when t- when talking about it from a festival standpoint, it's it's that's not the way to look at it, right? Because like those guys have made it already. It's it's a completely different thing. Like right, I, I think we ca- I guess we kind of got ahead of ourselves when talking about like the best of the best and who's like replaceable in that in that regard. Um, because like those guys, they like I like we said, they already made it. Like they're there, you know. I but like on a on a mid level standpoint, mid level DJ standpoint, you're everybody is in fact replaceable. Because a lot of people can do what you do. You know. Think if about if, if you're if you're you're listening to this and you maybe disagree or you agree. Think about what you've done in the last six months, and if you haven't put out. Music, mixes, edits, edit packs, uh, you know, consistently putting out TikToks or reels. If you haven't done that stuff, how can you possibly expect to get booked when there are other DJs who are doing exactly the same thing as you and more? Like they can play the music you can play and they're doing all this other stuff. So you have to think about yourself as, you know, what have you done lately, right? What, what are you putting out into the world? How are you staying relevant? How are you creating a name or a buzz for yourself? How are people, customers, going to places and asking if you're DJing? I, if, if, if that's not happening, how could you possibly expect to get booked? I, I don't understand. Yeah, if you want to level up and, take, and you want to continue to take the next steps in your DJ career, you need to be doing all this stuff or else you're just going to be stuck at doing the local bars and you have to be content with that. Right. I think that's that's the main thing you have to ask yourself, like, why do I deserve to play the biggest nightclub in said city? Right. Yeah. 
I agree. And and this doesn't go for just new DJs. This goes for con- older DJs too. If I'm yeah. not consistently putting content out, if I'm not pushing my boundaries, if I'm not making music, if I don't have a social media strategy, how do I possibly think that venues in other states are going to book me or even know who I am? Right. So think about that in the same way in your local market. Just because you DJ a couple places doesn't mean that anybody knows who you are. It's true. Even some of the biggest DJs in markets, people don't know who they are. You know, you, you just, you need to do a great job at, at marketing yourself, putting yourself out there and being all over everything. And, and well, we, we started this, I started the conversation with a DJ that took some time off and is now coming back. And we had venues questioning like, well, can this person play yeah. my room? And it's like, well, this is the biggest <laughs> DJ we got on our <laughs> roster. What do you mean? <laughs> this person's played the biggest festivals in the country and has played all over the place and is on the, you know, various well-known things. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it sort of blew my mind. And I was like, wow, it really is. Like, if what have you done for me lately? Business, you know? Yeah, especially if you're out of the game and, and you go down a different you go go down a different route and take different ventures over like a year or two years period of time and then right. tack on the pandemic with that. And then it's like a lot of years because a lot of the older guys did take some breaks coming out of the, out of the pandemic, you know? So that recency bias for us older guys are definitely, it's even more relevant. Yeah. Um, Another thing to bring back up, you had said like, if you just, didn't come back up here, who would be knocking at your door? Yet I think about that as well. And it's like, how long would it take if I just stopped gigging for people to just not ask to book me anymore? Like what, two months, three months? If a venue hits you up and says, hey, Gary, we wanted to book you this month and you don't give them any dates, you're like, oh, I'm too busy. And then they ask you the next month and you say the same thing. Do they even ask the third time? That's it, no, right? of course they don't. I'm, I'd be shocked if they asked the second month. We live in such a now culture, right? No matter what you do in life, everything is instant and it's now. And we're part of the we're part of that, right? You need a DJ tonight. Somebody hits us up right now and texts, "Oh, I need a DJ tonight." We'd have them a DJ tonight. Yeah, we'll make it happen, right? They'll fall in love with that DJ. They'll never need to book another DJ for a you know Tuesday night again. You know what I mean? Until until that guy moves on and they find somebody, and then they need somebody else. Yeah, it's such a now. We're in a now culture, right? It, years ago, it wasn't like that. It was like, you have to know a DJ to go and find them. And like, it's got to be a friend's friend or a friend's brother or sister or whatever it might be. Now it's just, everything's just so, so instant. That's why you're so replaceable. Yeah. It has nothing to do with you're a bad DJ or you're not doing the right things. It's just because the accessibility to everything is, is, is so easy. Um, and it's at everybody's fingertips all the time. And that's why everybody's replaceable. I think that's really what it comes down to. And that's why, like, if I never came back up there again, it would, ne- would not matter because there's a billion other DJs that are just as good. It's there's just not a, hard- a billion other DJs that are just as good. Think about, think about, think about how many DJs we work with and the venues that you work at like you're one of the top three DJs at all the venues you work at. Because all the places that I pick now to play, I have a very intimate um, understanding of what that 
area want, needs. Well, you put right? yourself in the right position to play the rooms where you're going to be successful, you know? You know what? This is the other point, actually, too, that I thought about the other day, is that just because you can go play a room doesn't mean you should, right? Like, just because you have the access to play that room doesn't mean you're going to fit in that room, right? I, f- I feel like I, I get a lot of DJs that come in and they're like, oh, I really want to play this room. It's like, why? Your DJ style doesn't fit this room at all. Right. So you your self-awareness for what you do as a DJ is terrible. So now I have to, I have to, that's suspect, number one, right? Like, you don't understand what you're good at. So you should understand what you're good at as a DJ and then apply that to where you want to go play. We talk about this every year in our end of year conversations with all of our DJs. And and sometimes we like it, you scratch your head. It's like, well, you want to go play Birch, but like, I don't, but you want to be just like a straight, whatever, uh, Latin DJ. It's like, well, that doesn't fit. There might be a party that comes along. That's a Latin party that we could put you in. That works. Right. It's understanding what your your excellence is and what you're what you're really good at as a DJ, and then putting yourself in the position. That's why I play all the places I play because I can play. I can get heavy Latin. I can get heavy soca. I can get heavy, you know, whatever it might be. And, but you can't do that everywhere. But and not I don't a lot wanna... of DJs could are able to do that. You're you're unique in the fact that you can do well in rooms where you might not necessarily know the music as well, but you'll make sure that you do the homework to be able to know the music. But I also want to play unique rooms, right? Right. I, I don't want to go play the, the the traditional standard spot, like because when you dig into some of that stuff, which you do. Once you start playing that music, it, wor- it works its way into your set, whether you like it or not. Um, and then you go and you play that stuff and people turn around like, why the hell is he playing a Soaker record? It's like, well, because there's rooms I play that can get away with it. So it, it's knowing where to place yourself, right? And then that's kind of, that. that's where you can become a little less replaceable, I think, is when you have a unique talent for certain rooms. Yeah, I think rooms. DJs that are listening right now, think about all the places you're booking at and maybe rank out the places, right? Like not only the best venues, but the best fit for you. And I think maybe try to get multiple bookings from like your top three places, let's say, and try to fill your calendar out more with those venues. And then you could go to the next venues. We talked about this before, right? You build out that list of all the connections you have or all the places you play. Focus on the ones that fit you the best. Just because it's a big room doesn't mean that you have to play there or you should right. want to play there. Right. And I'll give you an example in my own business, right? Like I'm at a place where I'm making EDM, right? I'm making Electra House, Tech House, whatever you want to call it. I'm All my edits are in that genre, in that style. And I have venues that hit me up to book me that it's like a hip hop room or a hip hop and Latin room. And like... Can I do that? Yeah, I can do that, but that's not what I do. That's not why people book me. So while they might want to pay me my rate and give me the two-hour headliner set and it's a good room, it just doesn't necessarily fit with what I'm doing at this point in my career. Maybe five years ago when I was playing way more hip-hop, it might have made sense, you know? And and there's like good rooms, spots in Philly that I'm like, I just don't think it makes sense for me right now, you know? Yeah, you've... You've evolved as a DJ and a producer and, and an artist, right? Because you've gone from DJ to 
uh, to like remixer to producer. Um, and you've been good enough to know that like, all right, like I shouldn't go play this hip hop room because it doesn't go with what I'm trying to do. You put so much work into your brand and, and, and your music and what you do. And I think the people from five years ago are like, oh, Cream's a, he's his name's gotten bigger, but they don't realize why. Right. They're like, Cream's gotten bigger. He used to open here. Now he's a headliner. We want him to come back. And it's like, well, you're a hip hop Latin room, like you said. And it's like, this doesn't make sense anymore. It used right. to make sense because you, you used to be a, a lot more open format and a lot less artist. So, it, it, you know, it's making the bookers understand kind of where you're at, too. Especially when they, it, they have when I, a, when I was past. younger, people would come up to me and hear, hear me play EDM and be like, I thought you were a hip hop DJ. And then like later on, people would hear me play EDM or our, yeah, people would hear me play hip hop and be like, oh, I thought you were an EDM DJ. I'm like, well, I'm an open <laughs> format DJ. I could do it all. But like, <laughs> right. It's, you may, you said something earlier that, that I pointed out also the, the other day when we were talking is that just, just because one spot is the biggest spot in your market doesn't mean you have to go play there, right? I just want to highlight that once again because it's so overlooked. There, there's plenty of, there, there are some big spots in, in our market that I just don't, I don't personally want to play at all. I'm like, oh, it just doesn't fit me. I don't want it doesn't feel right. Just because it's the best doesn't mean you should want to. Yeah, I, I think the newer, some of the newer generation just, you know, they they want to, they want to play the big spots and they want to play the festivals and they want to, they see other DJs doing it and they, they want to do it too, whether it fits their brand or not. And I think, again, this goes back to really what you had said about understanding, being self-aware and understanding like who you are. And a good way to do this is maybe go to one of your DJ friends and be like, how do you, when you hear my name or you think about my brand, what do you think of? And just see what someone who you trust says. And if they say something that you don't, you know, you don't want to portray, you need to do a better job of, you know, narrowing what you are and what your brand represents and what people think about when they hear your, your DJ name. Yeah. This becomes really muddy when you talk about, and we can go down a a whole, we should probably have a private event DJ on for this conversation, but this goes down, this can go down a crazy rabbit hole when talking about private event DJs that also play nightlife. Right. And guys that kind of want to level up that are private event DJs, but make their chops being private event DJs, but still want to level up in the nightclub. I think we should probably it's something we will do. We'll we'll have somebody on that kind of is in those in those situations and maybe how to go about trying to try to do trying to level up as a private event DJ and still maintain that work balance. Yeah, I think that would be a great conversation. One one other point I want to make. before I forget is what we're talking about isn't necessarily, it's not for the brand new DJ. If you're a brand new DJ, you're trying to figure out what you are, right? So you should take all the gigs that come your way. Don't say no to anything really, you know, like, especially if you're brand, brand new, you just need the experience of going and playing sets, whether it's an open format bar set, uh, an opening set at a nightclub, a private event, whatever it is, the experience of just playing music for people and reading a crowd is the most important thing. What we're talking about being more selective is as you're, you've DJed out for a year, two years, three years, and you're starting to get a better idea of who you are. Maybe you just started making music or, you know, you, you just spent some time focusing on your brand. Then you can start narrowing and really understanding and, and 
figuring out who you are. And listen, we're all, th- this is a constant battle, right? I talked to Angelo the Kid recently and, and we talked about his music and where he's trying to go with his music. And I, I'm not going to kind of explain what he said to me, but he's still figuring things out too, where it's like, I just want to make good music and it doesn't necessarily have to be a certain style. You guys could think the same way about your gigs. It doesn't have to, you don't have to DJ one style. You can kind of DJ a bunch of stuff until you figure out what you want to do. And then once you figure it out, you go all in on that particular thing. Yeah. Like I said before, we live in a, in a constant, in a generation that's constantly consuming new things daily right at your fingertips and music's not no different. Right. So like, Skrillex is a great example. Like he, he'll, and, and Diplo is another great example where they produce a million different types of genres, right? And are successful in doing so. So it's not impossible. But when you're starting out, it's good to dabble in a little bit of everything, like you said, find your lane, really go in on that lane, and then you can go back to doing all like the all of the the different things if right. you want to, once you're successful. The other piece of advice I give is whatever you do, do it well. Think about it, strategize about it, come up with a plan on how you're going to put something out into the world and then execute that plan. And I guarantee you, people, customers, whoever's consuming the content you're putting out, they're going to think more highly of it. You know, I I know it's important to put out a lot of stuff, but sometimes, especially for bigger projects, it's really important to think about how do I want people to view this? How do I want my brand to look when I put this out into the world? I think that's really important. It's something that I've always been very conscious of. And it's something that's really important to not only DJ Kareem's brand, but the Get Down brand, you know? So whatever you guys do, do it well. Put some thought into it. Don't rush it. Don't force it. Don't put it out if it's not good enough yet, you know, just to put something out. And I I know in a world where everything gets consumed and it's here and gone and we need to put out a lot of stuff, I still think it's really important that you think about your your brand and what you're putting out to the world in that way. This is why it's good to batch stuff too, no matter what you're doing. If you're doing flyers or you're doing music or you're doing um, really anything, like you just batch, batch a bunch of things, right? This way, if you do get in a pinch, you can kind of fall back on some of the things that you have batched, right? You need to get ahead. We always work better when we're ahead. If we're a week ahead or two weeks ahead, you're just putting out a better product because you are able to sit and think about what you want to put out and you can have a conversation around it and then put it out. It's not like, oh, we need to put this out tonight so it needs to get done. It's never a good look. It never comes out the way you want it to. And you look back on it and say, oh, well, that was rushed. It reminds me of a conversation that we had with Perari. And he had a student that had put something out. He went to another producer. I think it was Zach Martino. And he was like, oh, how do you like this? And Zach was like, oh, it sounds rushed. Because it was. You know, um, you can tell when something's rushed and something's just put out there just to get put out there. So take your time, like you said, and, and, and collaborate with people that you trust. And then batch things also as, as you go along. All right, let's get into our last topic, which is kind of like a silly, fun one, but I, <laughs> I wanted to bring up because there, there's been like social media posts going around our area saying that Hoboken, <laughs> which is our home city, New Jersey, is one of the three best party cities <laughs> in the U.S. The top three were Miami, Atlantic City, and Hoboken. 
I don't even know the the source of. We were like looking for the source yesterday. It's a website called bonusfinder.com. <laughs> so take with that as as you will. But I just thought it was an interesting topic to bring up, and I don't know, like. This is just another one of those lists that gets put out into the world, like the top 100 clubs in the world and the the best we've top seen 100 some- DJs and all this stuff that's such like a opinionated topic uh, that that people take for being law the law. <laughs> it's incredible when I see people repost it. Now I'm hoping that most people are reposting this tongue in cheek kind of a thing, you know. But for some people, I feel like they're reposting it as like, oh, this is like for real. There's so many these ridiculous websites and lists that come out weekly that really nobody should be paying attention to. You know, I, I, if it's a real publication that is reputable. Oh, bonusfinder.com has- is not a real publication. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure that, that the uh, author of that article, the writer of that article is, uh, you know, legit. Um, I, I don't know if it's not if it's not a legit publication that has been around for years and is reputable. Like, you, don't be reposting this stuff. It's ridiculous. You know, it's just for somebody to think that any any nightlife spot in Hoboken, New Jersey, is a top twenty five anything. Yeah, in the world or the country is insane. I guess it really depends how you look at it. There are so many liquor licenses in the city it, compared to the size, and I know. You know, there's been other things discussed that like Hoboken has the most bars per square mile or whatever. Like there's there's a lot of these stats out there, but we all know that Hoboken is not one of the top three party cities in the world or in the country. But if we were putting together a list, what are some of the cities? We don't have to make a top three or a top five, but just like throw out some cities that you think are in that conversation. For some reason, like... (laughs) Austin comes to mind. Like, I feel like that's a great going out city where you can, where you can like nightclub, see live music, comedy. They're known for a lot of different things in entertainment. So I think that's a great nightlife spot. If you want to put nightlife under a bigger umbrella, how is Vegas not, how is, how is Atlantic City on the list? But Vegas is not, how does that make any sense? Vegas is number one, obviously. Vegas and Miami have to be not one and two, right? Yeah, I, I feel like Miami has kind of fallen by the wayside a little more where there it's not as um versatile, I think. I don't know. I'm a stone's throw away and I don't I don't go down there often enough. I don't really love the vibe down there though either. Uh it's just I used to, but it's it's not something I'm super yeah. into anymore. Um uh, but the, Miami, Vegas for sure, hundred percent. New York City, I feel like is getting better, has gotten better in the last five years. New York City is definitely getting better. I had a conversation with someone about the rates in New York and on the high end, the rates going up, which I was pretty surprised about. Uh, but it's great to hear, you know, because New York's forever been the city that pays, you know, a DJ $300 to go play the biggest club in New York. <laughs> That's why our biggest talent has moved. Like in the in the 2010s, the, our bigger talent and the better producers moved out of the area. Yeah. You know, you went to they went to L.A., they went to Vegas, they went to Miami, but they never stayed in New York because the rates weren't good enough. Do you and now put if that Brooklyn turns on this list? Like Brooklyn has yeah, a, ton, a ton, think, a ton of venues, especially for the house music world right now. And, I think and you, live musicians as well. When you say New York City, Brooklyn's a part of that. Yeah, I right? get it. But you, like, can, you can you can you can specifically say 
Brooklyn is it, it, Brooklyn's better than Manhattan a thousand well, percent. That's really what I was getting at, like Manhattan versus the other boroughs. Because people think of New York, they think of Manhattan, and you know all the tourists right. that come in are going to go to Manhattan. But really, Brooklyn has the better nightlife scene for sure. It's, it's the epicenter of New York City. Manhattan's nightlife. getting better. You're right. It is. I'm yes. actually, it's been cool to see uh, some new venues pop up, and like I said, the rates going up and. Well, what has happened in New York? Not to cut you off, just real quick though. What has happened in New York from from when Brooklyn first became uh, a place to go and hang out at? That's where all the local DJs would play because you'd have all like the international DJs coming into Manhattan, and then the, all the the bigger nightclubs on the islands they went away with with Giuliani and all that. So then all of the international DJs had to go play Brooklyn, and now you're seeing the bigger. New York City acts back on Manhattan, which is amazing. And now you're saying the the rates are going up, so it'll, hopefully it'll keep some of that yeah. that talent around. I don't know other cities. I, I like the Austin one. What about like Scottsdale, Arizona? I feel uh, like that's that, a new one that's kind of blowing up. That scene there is crazy. One of our get buddies, out there. one of our buddies went for a business trip and said that they spent obscene <laughs> amounts of money, like thirty, forty thousand a night, kind of a thing. <laughs> For to have places that you can do that and then say, and then walk away and say, oh, that was worth it. It's crazy to me. Like, yeah. we, do we have, like, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a few. We haven't been out to like big spots like that. I, I feel in a while in, in Manhattan, I'm sure there are a few that you can go do that and, and be like, oh, that was a, definitely worth doing. But they said that they went to a different place like every night. And they said it was like day party life that yeah. like then fed into night party life, which is like, incredible. You know, I think the day, I think to have a really great nightlife city, you need to have day life too. I agree with that. Pool party life or just something, which is that's why Vegas. You know, that's is why all good. the warm the warm cities tend to do better. Yeah, Vegas, Miami, Scottsdale. I can't like really you said. think of any other city that I'd put in the conversation. I don't know. What do you guys think? Are there, what cities do you guys think are the biggest party cities or best yeah, would, nightlife cities? I would love to know the one. I, we've missed a ton, I'm sure. So I'd love to know yeah, other Drop people's. it in the comments for sure. Let's let's get this ball rolling. <laughs> Maybe we could talk about it on, on the next pod a little bit just to follow up. Um, but yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it's an interesting convo. It's, it's fun. Like I said, it's a fun one just to kind of talk about a little bit. And listen, I'm sure there's other cities like you said that we don't really know anything about that are probably awesome. Like I'm yeah, going I mean, down to Charleston this weekend. Like I, was I wouldn't just gonna put, say. I wouldn't put Charleston in the conversation with any of these other ones, but Charleston's a great party city. It's a small city, it's a smaller market, but like Trio is an amazing nightclub. There's a couple other nightclubs there, and there's yeah. a huge college bar scene there, and it's always, always a great vibe when I'm there. So, like I said, I'm sure there's other there's other cities that are similar to that where they're not as big in name, but they get down. Those are the those are the cities that like if you don't want to go do the bottle service heavy stuff, those are great cities to go party in where like you, you have a little bit of everything, bar, lounge, nightclub, great restaurants. Yeah. And then also like a beach scene and whatnot. So there's a plenty of, plenty of little, little cities like that, that are, that are great. That could, that could be like a secondary list. I would love to list those out too. Like what are your big nightlife play? Like top five real nightlife bottle service cities. And then what are your like party cities, your Nashville's and things like that. Yeah, actually, Nashville is probably another really good one. I mean, you want to talk about uh, bachelorette parties. That's where you go hang out. We definitely <laughs> forgot that one. That's a, that's a great call. Nashville is a good one. i nothing but incredible things about that city. Now, we all know country is not really my, my, my vibe, not really my jam. It's, but it's 
live music forward. Like it's all it's all honky tonks and you know, definite day drink bar spots. The DJ, um, the DJ bookings have definitely gone up there. We've talked to a couple of DJs down there, and I know Big Country goes down there a bunch, and he's been telling me that all of these live musician venues now have like the rooftop with the DJ or the second room with the DJ type thing, which is pretty cool. Man, I think I got to go down there with Country next time, or drive up there from here with Shit. Country next time. That'll be great. <laughs> he's 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 talked to me about it too that I should take a trip with him one time. I, I would That's love to. I've never been. I would love to go experience it just as. You, you know, a, a, a person, not as DJ Kareem. <laughs> You'd love the food there. The food scene, obviously, is incredible. I, I, I ate at a high-end, like, modern restaurant and then ate at, you know, the barbecue spots that you need to eat at. Phenomenal, phenomenal scene. So. All right, cool. Um, anything we need to promo, I want to I shout out uh, Get Down Radio. So if you guys don't know, we have a monthly radio show where we get to highlight a lot of our talent on our team. This month, uh, Joey DeSarno laid down a mix haven't listened to it yet, but it is, it's going to get listened to in the gym this week. I'm pumped. Uh, you know, Joey always brings high energy EDM, probably some old school throwback stuff in there, which I'm excited to check out. So if you guys want to check that out, go search, get down radio, check the show notes. You can go listen to that mix. And like I said, we've had a ton of mixes out already. So anything else? Um, Actually, you know what? Coming up. I'm coming up for the weekend. <laughs> All right. Gary's up gigs. for the weekend. If you guys want to come, where are you going to be this out? weekend? A lot of six two six. It's a Jersey City Pride weekend. Okay. Um, so where I'm back with uh, doing Latin night on Thursday. Obviously, Friday I'm back with uh, all the old school drag queens are coming back for a show. All the ones from when six two six first opened. That's and cool. I was a re- and I, I was the resident there every Friday. So we're all back together on Friday night, which is going to be a fun time for sure. Um, Saturday at Birch, which I'm really looking forward to. So if anybody wants to pop some bottles or. You know, come hang out. And, and a to- DJ Cream, Gary W. Weekend at Birch. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Wow, we better sell bottles or else they're going to fire us. <laughs> uh, that's great. So that's fun. Um, and that's it. I mean, that's, you know, like I said, like uh, I think I'll be on Ashford rooftop at some point too. Nice. So if you want to listen to some like uh, reggae and, and soca and, and, you know, Eastern Caribbean stuff, I'll be there doing that. Nice. So yeah, I'm at Birch and I'm down in South Carolina at Trio, Charleston, making my triumphant return. I had a, I'm excited about this. I'm excited to go throw down. I think, you know, the last time I was there, we had some complications with travel and I didn't really get to throw down a, like a a cream set. So I'm really excited to go there with a little chip on my shoulder to really show the ownership and staff, like what I do on a weekly basis. So super hyped for that. Uh, one other thing to promo, Cream and Friends Edit Pack Volume 2 is out. It's myself, Sam Collins, Sergio, Vando on the track. There's a mix and the pack. Uh, it's doing really well. It's been sitting in the top. It's number two on Hype Edit. Uh, it's been sitting there for a while, and I want to I rock it out. I want this one to go bigger than the first one. So if you guys haven't downloaded it, go check that out. And real quick, I I, I just want to get ahead of this. I know it's a few weeks away, but our uh, our Get Down DJ Group monthly event, Open Decks event, will be uh, September 13th. Uh, Greg UFOso did a great job with the first one. I don't know if we have if had I don't know if we've had a uh, pod since then. He did a great job with the first one. Open Decks was really successful. Jules ripped it up, killed it. Videos on YouTube, go check that out. Um, I think it's still up unless copyright took us down. I know we were getting nailed for copyright infringement. Um, so go check it out on YouTube. I think it's still there. 
Uh, if not, we're, we're going to try to find a way around that for you guys to consume Jules's mix for that. Uh, but yeah, September 13th, we'll promo this every week until then. So, Dope. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Get Down. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace, guys. Peace. Thanks for listening to The Get Down Podcast. If you enjoy our show and find the topics entertaining or helpful in any way, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen to it. We want to help more DJs, and subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show is the best way for us to do that. We appreciate all the love so far. Thanks for listening, guys.